Good morning, friends. Good morning, church. Good morning, visitors. <clears throat> if you're here visiting with us today, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're delighted to have you here. And uh, my name is Steve Briggs. I can serve as an elder here at Bowling Green Christian Church. And uh, we're doing a series called Fixer Upper. And um, we're doing a study of the book of Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible-like devices, I'd ask that you open those up to the book of Nehemiah. We'll be studying chapter 5 today. Study. You'll be hearing about chapter 5 today. Um, my colleagues um, Dana Wooters and uh, Weston Williams have helped out in leading the series. And from time to time we get the opportunity to help give Weston a break and, and help him serve in other ways. And he did a great job of helping out at camp this week. And so I'm, I'm delighted to have this privilege. Before we get too far into this, Scripture tells us where two or more are gathered, I am with you. But let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and invite him to come with us today. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we just praise you so much for the uh, opportunity to hear your word and to apply it to our hearts. Lord, we're studying a book in the Old Testament, and uh, we just ask that you be with us today and touch our hearts and to applying it in the way that honors you and glorifies you. Lord, thank you ever so much for this opportunity to convene and to meet with you as we hear of your word. May these words all be from you and not from me. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And together we'll say, Amen. Amen. As we look in chapter 5, let me give you a summation of where we're at. So, in the first couple of chapters, Dana Wooters did a great job of telling us that we are all fixer-uppers. We are all fixer-uppers. That uh, uh, we're going to have to get our hands dirty. Our, our biggest problem is that pe- there are people. People are our biggest problem, our bigger, fi- big fixer-upper thing. And in order to help people, we're going to have to get our hands dirty. Well, that may take change. And as Weston told us last week, that the bigger the change, the harder the work there is to do. And so as we come into Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2 and chapters 3 and 4, we're building this wall. We're fixing up this wall that the Israelites have had. And part of that fixer up, they've been threatened, insulted, degraded, um, fear. All these things go into play. And we're concluding in chapter 4 with a renewed step process in creating this wall. There's, we have a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other, and we're doing our work. And sometimes that's how we act with a fixer-upper. That's all we can do. Well, friends, when you hear the word, the word or the term fixer-upper, if you've had a house or you bought a house or you've thought about that and you hear a fixer-upper, unless you're one of those TV show flip-it folks, it brings a little trepidation, a little fear to you. I'm reminded of that great classic 80s movie, The Money Pit, um, the fixer-upper. Just keep putting money into that. Well, there's some trepidation there. Or perhaps you heard Dana really good well, and you heard that we're all fixer-uppers, and there's some trepidation and fear in knowing all that I have going on with me, that I'm a fixer-upper, and I've got to find a way to figure this out and become that model Christian or that model home. Well, friends, let me tell you, you'll be encouraged today as we go through chapter 5 of Nehemiah because there is freedom in following the instructions. There is freedom in following the instructions. Um, let's get into where we're at and reviewing chapter 5 um, as part of this. So Nehemiah has come here. We're going through. Uh, we've got the tool in one hand and the, and the weapon in the other, and we're fixing this wall. We're getting back into it. We've overcome this big scare and this big fear. Well, as with any fixer-upper, Yet again, there's a setback. And in this case, the poor have come to Nehemiah and said, Hey, Nehemiah, 
we've come out of this way. We've been working. There's, there's little grain. There's little food. There's little money. And people are taking advantage of us. Fellow Israelites are taking advantage of us. They're not following the rules. They're not following the instructions. They're taking advantage of us. They're taking our daughters. Nehemiah looks at this. He gets angry. He comes to his attention. He's set forth by Moses. The food nations, the poor involved, the fellow Israelites were enslaving their Israelites, charging fees for the money and supplies. People were just simply not following the rules. And as Nehemiah becomes angry, he says, as we all say, come on, just follow the rules. It's just that easy. Or is it that easy? Or, that looks right. Mm, I've been there. And now my nemesis. About a month and a half ago, Laura called as I was coming home on a Friday evening and said, um, I think the thermostat's broke. Um, the air conditioning's not on. Um, I think we need a new thermostat. I worked at Lowe's in two years. I can fix a thermostat. I get up there and I tear into that thermostat pull it off the wall, get the wires going, match that thermostat. I go to Lowe's. I buy this Honeywell, this sweet model right there. Get it back there. I go to the instructions. Number one, turn off power. Check. I did not get shocked. Number two, check that your system is off. Check. I got that done. Number three, remove the old thermostat faceplate. On most thermostats, you can take off the faceplate by grasping and gently pulling. Some thermostats may have screws, buttons, or clasps. Yeah, mine had, had the screws. I took those wires off, and I unscrewed that so I could match and get this honeywell of a thermostat. Oh, look, there's a little triangle with an exclamation part. Do not remove any wires from your old thermostat at this time. Boy, I'm glad I'm not one of those people that don't follow instructions, we all fall into this. As we talked about in our Sunday school class today, that's a, that's a cultivation of our human heart that's in nature. But I'm telling you, friends, there's freedom in following the instructions. Dana shared that we're all fixer-uppers, but as we get to know that, we can look in the small chapter of Nehemiah in 5 and find guidelines and instructions that will help us in becoming better fixer-uppers. Again, going back to what Nehemiah said, what was brought to his attention was this, as you read in verses 4 and 5. And there were those who said, we are having to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay the king's tax. Now our flesh is the same as that of our kindred. Our children are the same as their children. And yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have been ravished. We are powerless, and our fields and vineyards now belong to others. Just like the poor were being confined, the first part of this is if we fail to follow the instructions, when we avoid instruction, it can lead to confinement and slavery. It can lead to confinement. I don't know what those issues are when you don't follow the instructions. I have my own. But how do we become aware of these confinements? How do we recognize that? Well, Nehemiah shows that to us in chapter 5. First thing is we have to recognize there's a problem. We have to realize there's something going on. The way we do that is when we listen to others. Nehemiah was a good example of that because he listened to the poor. He kept quiet and he just listened to them. 
And they explained, here's all the things that are going on. He just took that and, and he, it made him angry. He was very upset about that. We listened to others. Um, the second part of that is when we listen, sometimes if you've not followed the instructions, you get caught doing something you shouldn't have been doing. Here's an example I'll give you. My mother has histoplasmosis, so she's legally blind. She can't see anything in front of her. She has two little dots. Peripherally, that woman can spot a gnat at 100 yards. So at eight years old, I'm uh, in the cookie. I was told uh, you couldn't have any more cookies. She's looking away. I am all in this cookie jar. Stephen Ross, get your hand out of that cookie jar. I didn't say a thing because I had been caught by the peripheral. That's just what happens in this text. When we get caught, we're silenced. So the first part of the confinement is, one, recognize there's a problem. We have to address that. We have to be quiet and listen to that. But sometimes the Holy Spirit tells us that we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. And that also causes us to be silent because we've been caught. Another thing that comes with being caught and being silent, our human nature, the mechanism is just self-defense, preservation, the knee-jerk response. I didn't do it. Or I'm going to blame it on somebody else. Oh, it's their fault. Here's why I had to do that. Well, Matthew 7, 5 tells us this. You hypocrite, first take that plank out of your own eye, then you'll be able to take the speck of dust out of the next person's eye. We just need to be quiet. You don't need to focus on everybody else. We are all fixer-uppers. Focus on ourselves. We have to realize there's an issue and that that issue needs to be addressed. We've learned that we're all fixer-uppers and friends. There's freedom in following the instructions. The second part of that is, when we go back to the instructions, there's a sense of ease. When we realize we've made a mistake, there's a sense of ease when we go back to the instructions. Let me give you another example. So usually, now this is men, although I know some women that will do this as well. You're putting together that Christmas gift at each hour. You get the instructions out, and I don't need those. And you start. You fix, and you get all the pieces that has two wheels. It's got some pedals. I don't know why it's not working right. What are these pieces? I didn't follow the instructions. So what do I do? Ah, yes. This piece goes here. There's a sense of ease when we go back to following the instructions. It's not any different in the chapter in Nehemiah. When we realize there's a problem, going back to the instructions generally fixes the problem. There's a sense of ease. That confinement that we talked about can be reduced, eliminated, changed. This happens after Nehemiah gets upset. He says what should be done in verses 9 through 13. If you read with me. So I continued, what you were doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I, my brothers, and my men are also lending the people money and grain, but let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the interest that you're charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything from them. We will do as you say. 
Nehemiah has goes back to the instructions. Here's all we have to do. It's just that easy. There is freedom, friends, in following the instructions. There's an old adage attributed to Albert Einstein. <clears throat> it goes like this. If you don't have time to do it right the first time, you must have time to do it over. Notice the accountability that Nehemiah uses in this chapter. So it's not just a matter of we're going back to the instructions, but there's a sense of accountability. When we're fixer-uppers, not only do we need someone, not only do we need to recognize there's an issue and address that issue and go back to the instructions, but we need somebody to help us out. So it wasn't just a matter of, okay, yeah, we'll give it all back to them. We're going to give it back. We'll do it just, we're going to follow the instructions. We'll do what you say. Remember that heart, that cultivation of the heart that's, that's the human nature. Nehemiah knew. He's like, yeah, yeah, your word's not that good. I'm bringing in the priests and the other folks, and you're going to make an oath to God that you're going to do this. And let me tell you, if you make an oath to God and you go back on what you say you're going to do, it's just, I'm using the apron as the example. It's like the crumbs in my apron. If you go against what God says, God's going to shake his robe, take the crumbs out of my apron, and he's going to throw you away. That's heavy. There's a sense of accountability when you're fixing things up. If I have somebody, you know, many of us here, we talked about the, the money pit. Your contractors say, oh, there's two weeks. When there's a, contra- uh, a contract and the construction crew knows that if they get this done, they get more money, or if they don't, there's a, penalization, a penali- penalty, then they tend to do that or meet their obligation. Nehemiah did the same thing right here. Friends, there's freedom in following instructions when you go back. Thirdly, just like Nehemiah as Christ followers, when we lead by example, we help others to find their freedom by following the instructions. Nehemiah just didn't call the bad things out of the people. He role-modeled what would be done. If you notice in those verses 9 through 13, he talked about, my men, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing this too. My bad. We're going to do this no longer. We're going to follow God. We're changing our ways. As Christ followers, we were role models for following Jesus, seeking Jesus. And as our mission statement says here at Bowling Green Christian Church, we're learning to become less so that Jesus can become more. Be a role model like Nehemiah. He shares that even though he is in a position of authority, he's not taking advantage of that privilege. He's lived among the people and with the people. Here on earth, although he had this great privilege, he came, walked amongst the people, lived among the people, and just acted as one of the folks. Sounds remarkably familiar to what Jesus did when he was on this earth. Romans 3.23 through 3.26 tell us how we are able to role model our faith just like Nehemiah was his faith in God. It says here that since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as the sacrifice of atonement by his blood effective through the faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Did you all catch that, friends? At the present time. I think we all focus on the 323 part, the we are all fixer-uppers. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But at the present time, this right now as you're sitting in the chair, you have been justified by Christ. 
As a Christ follower, do you present that gospel in a way that leads others to the freedom in knowing Lord Jesus as their, as their Savior? There is freedom in following the instructions. And friends, our instruction book is the Bible. We need to be in that. Finally, if we would just follow the instructions, our investment is less. Um, I look at the, uh, the tire changing episode. You get that jack and you're wrenching that jack up and it's bending the folds of that frame. It's going to cost a little bit more than just the tire. If you do the instructions and you follow it the right way, it's going to cost you a little bit less. It's no different with Nehemiah and the story. Let me share with you about a story about someone who, um, who stayed the course and followed the instructions of effective coaching. Any soccer fans here? We just finished uh, the FIFA World Cup. Part of that, thank you very much. Part of that was that France won the World Cup. And uh, the team won with a coach who was a, a wonderful athlete um, in, in his day. He was a captain in 1998 when France won the, the, uh, another World Cup. But he became coach in 2012, and they didn't have a good um, start to that process. They were not very successful at all. As a matter of fact, he was ridiculed quite a bit. And, um, but he was, he was exonerated. That might not be the right word. But he was praised now because France has won this World Cup. Um, I'm gonna, how many of you know the coach's name of France? I know we're a soccer society. Okay. Um, this coach's name, and I'm going to make it sound French. You ready? Didier Deschamps. Tough crowd today. All right, here we go. In 2012, France's soccer team was not well thought of. They were building their own proverbial wall, just like the Israelites in Nehemiah. The champs has always prioritized moral values over skills. He would and does not tolerate misbehavior. Your behavior, attitude, and words shape your image, he says, as it is replayed to the public by the media, which is unavoidable and an indispensable part of your journey. Didier Deschamps stands vindicated on his steadfast refusal to bend his ways, on his unwavering philosophy of the game, his strong belief uh, instilled faith in the young team who showed great courage, character, and skills to win game after game. His players have strong faith in his tactical decisions. Deschamps understands that the man behind each player to hone their skills for the team's success. That is exactly what Nehemiah was doing as part of the fixer-upper in the story in chapter 5. What he was saying was, we're all in bad times. There's no grain. There's no money. There's no food. Our resources are limited. The best way we can do to survive is to have this one vision of this wall and to share across the way. Follow the instructions. As I conclude today, um, just as Jechamps was a role model for the French, Nehemiah was a role model for the Israelites as well. He found freedom and following the instructions, and he demonstrated in this chapter by realizing, as Danish pointed out, that we're all fixer-uppers. So we're going to have to get our hands dirty in order to help others. Nehemiah not only recognized the problem, but he went back to the instructions because he knew there was freedom in following the instructions. I messed up, but when we go back and do it right, it gets done better. Last week, Weston shared with us that the bigger the change, the harder the work. This is a hard work, putting together this wall. The people in Nehemiah were making big changes. Nehemiah led by example. He took issues. He said, I'm part of this problem, too, and we're going to change. 
He let, that just, it led to freedom of others. It led to the freedom of those that were enslaved. All he did was simply follow the instructions. He freed the poor, helping them, as it reads in the New International Version, allowed for a more equalized investment and putting this fixer-upper, the proverbial wall, back on track. Friends, there's most assuredly freedom in following the instructions. And our instructions are, is this book right here. And I don't know where you are or what your fixer-upper issues are, but you have a chance today as we get ready to prepare a song of invitation. If you're not a Christ follower, as we prepare this invitation song, maybe it's time for you to be a fixer-upper and learn about taking Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come on up and we'll talk with you about that. Or maybe you've been a Christ follower and you're looking for a church and you've been visiting with us and you're ready to make that commitment to say Bowling Green Christian Church is my church home, my family, where I'm ready to be a fixer-upper here within the congregation as well. We'll invite you to come forward for that as well.